Welcome, welcome to Freaked Out with your co-hosts, Liz and Landon. What's up, everybody? Today, we will be covering the story of Christina Whitaker. Now, I have such a heavy heart with this particular case. Honestly, I didn't really want to do this case once I had gotten it in my hands because a lot of people are looking for wishful thinking moments, but unfortunately, I got to be the one to deliver the news in this particular situation. Every episode has some sort of tragedy involved and members of the family can be hurt or sad, but also can receive some closure. Sometimes these cases are just all that much more stressful and Liz has a hard time providing some of these details sometimes in this being one of those cases. It's okay. We're going to get through this together. There are so many twists and turns of this case, it's unbelievable, and I'm still scratching my head at some aspects of it, so we don't get all the answers quite yet. Absolutely. As we are watching the documentary called Relentless, filmed by Christina Fontana, I asked Liz right away if she could feel Christina's energy or if she was alive or dead. Yes, you did. And you know what? I absolutely could not feel her energy whatsoever, which normally means I feel someone alive. However, once I was finished watching the documentary, which took me about two weeks to do, that was when she finally appeared to me. We got a lot of things to cover, and I'm going to be addressing a lot of the issues that took place within the scope of the family also, and the police and other suspects as well. Like I said, I don't have the full picture, but I'll provide as much as I can. And we also do like including you guys in a little bit of the details of our own searchings into this. Uh, We just want to thank you guys for being here every single week. For those of you who are not familiar with the Facebook group called Freaked Out Podcast, we have a lot of fun there. This particular episode was one as a trivia episode, and people had the opportunity to answer questions based on the podcast, based around me, Landon. And with saying that, Erin had this particular episode chosen when she had won, which she did really well on that game. So this episode's for you, Erin. Now, Hannibal, Missouri thinks of itself as a very small town in USA. It holds the Travel Channel title of Missouri's Most Charming Town and is also the birthplace of Mark Twain, which is pretty wild since he was somebody that Liz had channel accidentally back in 2019 when we were in Buffalo, New York. Yes, it's so crazy how everyone just sort of connected somehow to each other. Speaking of Mark Twain, I was about to try to channel him if I could not get any information of Christina. Now, the town is described as Huckleberry Finn and Tom Sawyer themed. Before Christina had gone out for the evening, she was staying at the house where her mother and father were taking care of her grandmother. Now, her brother and his wife were also there as well to help watch the baby while she went out. I believe the mother was out of town at this point and they had suggested for her to wait one more evening so that she was back to take care of the baby. But Christina insisted that she go out and she told her mom not to worry. And this all allegedly was stated by Cindy, which is her mother. Now, at the time, she had a boyfriend by the name of Travis. And like she had said earlier, she wanted to go out. So she got him to watch her daughter, Alex. And uh, he wasn't going to stop her from going out. Uh, He just wanted her to have some time. So he told her to go ahead. Now, on November 19th, 2009, Christina Whitaker was last seen outside of a couple of sports bars in Hannibal, Missouri. The night began at Rookies. It's located at 611 Broadway on the east side of town. She got there approximately at 8.45 p.m., and they did have a band playing that night. 
Now, according to sources, this was the first time that Christina had gone out since her baby was born. I don't really believe that, but obviously things took a dramatic turn for the worst. And at roughly 11.45 p.m., Christina got pretty rowdy after drinking too much and the bartender ended up kicking her out. There was a guy at the bar who was giving her a lot of drinks. Cindy claims that this is very unlike her. She was not a heavy drinker and she started to get very belligerent and the bartender told her to leave. After they asked her to leave, she automatically wanted to fight. So the bar manager and the bartender both took her out the back door. She ended up trying to get back into the bar anyways because she didn't want to leave. A man who was described as a black man had come in to get her and they apparently left together. Her friend Brianna had refused to leave because she didn't need to go to jail. After exiting Rookies, Christina headed to the next door to the Sportsman Bar and she got kicked out of there as well. And then she ended up heading to River City Billards. According to sources, she was begging people for a ride along the way. Both acquaintances and strangers refused her. Now, the bartender in River City Billiards knew her pretty well. She was a friend of her mother's. She had seen her sobbing and arguing on the phone with a man. And the bartender did offer to contact her mother for her. But then she ended up running out the back entrance of the sports bar and no one had seen her since. At 7 a.m., Travis, her boyfriend, was extremely confused as to why she wasn't home. And he ended up calling her family to let them know that she did not come home and he was worried. And he had to go to work and he needed Christina to be there to watch the baby so he could go to work. The parents immediately called the police to report her missing. And the next day, a man by the name of Danny Baker found her phone a little bit outside of the bar. Now, apparently, Danny was heading to his mother's house and he did know Christina personally as well. He ended up finding the phone, looking through it and noticed Christina's aunt's number. The phone was passed on from many people. Danny had given the phone to Christina's aunt. Christina's aunt gave it to Travis. Travis gave it to Cindy, which is her mother. And she looked through the details and took down phone numbers of people that she communicated with, but she didn't recognize anyone who would be concerning. The police then requested the phone Monday, November 16, 2009. And according to sources, the police didn't really have the means or expenses to do what they needed to do to help find her. Now, since all of this went down, Danny Baker has never really given any sort of interview or any information of what he knows. He stayed away from all of it. In fact, he ended up dying several years later before anyone could even get in communication with him. Now, there was also a hit and run at somebody's house. Their vehicle was hit and the police didn't do anything about it because the detectives didn't work on the weekend. Her parents were trying to find out any sort of information from the police and the police continued to tell them that they had it handled. Meanwhile, nothing was being done, and she had to continuously keep explaining her story to these police officers over and over again. Imagine contacting the police about your missing child and the police just shrugging their shoulders and pretending like nothing happened. Christina's mother decided to go into the drug area of town and hand out flyers asking if anyone has seen her daughter. Now, this starts the ridiculous amount of hallucinations going on. And I will comment on that now because all these random people would go up to Cindy and Alex, her stepfather, saying that they had seen her in Peoria. I do believe that she had spent some time there, but I do not believe she spent time there after she went missing. I believe that a lot of people that spoke to Cindy and Alex were more so people that were either A, 
sent to inform them incorrect information because they were there at the time, or people are just assuming that a few other females walking by were her, even though none of them were. Not one single sighting is accurate. And I know Cindy is in complete denial that her daughter is dead because she holds on to these empty sightings because she wants to believe that her daughter is alive and that she ran away. And Christina wants everyone to know that she isn't. I do believe that as well. I also feel like the family, especially Cindy, is in complete and utter denial as well. It's the exact reason we don't communicate with the family members because the family members don't always know everything and they obviously have super high hopes, which who wouldn't? And if they do know things, they do try to keep quiet, just like Cindy had done multiple times over again, which we will talk about here later on. There was one major prime suspect by the name of Darcy Morris, a.k.a. Buki. Now, he had sexually assaulted multiple women and physically abused them. He also stabbed his wife. He had a girlfriend that he dragged across the street and took her into a bathroom and raped and beat her. He also ended up in jail for the year of 2016 for beating someone to death with a two by four. Well, he sounds like a winner. Now, many people came forward about this particular individual before and after Christina's disappearance. He is definitely a shady character and extremely violent. I also feel like this guy just doesn't care. He also doesn't see that he's doing anything wrong. He feels like he can just use this excuse of his temper for being a reason to beat people up. But he's definitely a bad guy. There was a story that someone had seen Christina in Darcy's basement all bloodied up and wanting to go home. What's crazy is that there are partial truths in certain things throughout this case. So many missing pieces, though. Now, according to the FBI, Peoria, Illinois is one of the most dangerous cities in the USA. There is a lot of stories in relation to becoming a hub for human trafficking. I can 1000% verify that Peora is definitely currently related to human trafficking. I even feel as though there is a lot of activity going on to this day there. Police finally were able to catch up with Darcy and they then asked about Christina's disappearance. He answered that he was at his wife celebrating their anniversary. Mm, yeah, right after you beat her. Right? And stabbed her. Right? Also, bullshit lie, obviously, and I feel like he told her he would slit her throat open if she ratted him out. And I feel like he threatened to beat his child, too, if he ever got caught. So, of course, everyone around him is going to say no. I definitely agree to that. The wife supported his alibi when she was questioned. I wonder if they have this particular questioning on video. I mean, they should. I'm sure that you would be able to see if this was a battered woman lying just to protect her man. There was a witness that a friend of hers and also a friend of her mother's had said that she had seen her outside arguing with two black men. How do you know if these two particular witnesses had seen that correctly? I feel like these particular witnesses did actually get it right. So I'm going to say yes to this one. I feel like it may have just been one man. I don't believe it to be two. There may have even been some men standing very closely listening, and they may have assumed that this particular other guy was involved. Now, there was a sighting of Christina at a restaurant. This woman was able to confirm that it was definitely her. Now, although these women's details of seeing Christina seemed very, very accurate, I do feel like she had seen a woman that looked pretty identical to her, but I do not feel like these two struck up a conversation. I feel as though this woman wanted it to be Christina, so she kind of like 
imagined it to be. Now, speculation that Darcy took her to Peora and gave her drugs and made her become a prostitute in that area, her flyers got ripped down consistently. And it was also stated that she was held in a basement when she was first taken. The short time after this was stated, there was a text message forwarded to Cindy indicating exactly this. Hide the body in the basement. Christina basement. Such a weird text. I agree. A very random text message. There's always half truths with this particular case. Now here's where things get a little interesting. Christina's mother, Cindy, made it seem like she even wasn't into the drug scene at all or none of them were in the drug scene. Meanwhile, there are home videos of Alex smoking a crack pipe, Christina talking about multiple different pills with them, and something just isn't adding up. Now, I agree with you on that as well. When I first watched this documentary, I was extremely confused because Cindy is a really good person, and I do feel like she was good at convincing people that her daughter was just an innocent bystander with mental health problems, and her and her daughter were extremely close. Honestly, I think that was a little bit of a like delusion she built up in her head. Not to say that her and her daughter didn't have a good relationship because they did to a certain degree. But I feel like Christina never told her mother like 90% of what was going on in her life. I feel like her daughter honestly felt kind of stuck with her. Now, when in reality, Christina wanted nothing more than to have her like own life away from her family. Now, let's start from the beginning here. Yes, guys, the story jumps all over the place. We're going to try to keep all the missing pieces and put them together here. It is confusing. Now, Christina is showing me that she loves her mom very much. Her mom is her world because her mom did love her a lot and she did do a lot for her. But she also had a lot of her own problems as well. Now, her mom put a blind eye to everything, including all the things happening between her family members. For instance, the first thing she shows me surrounding the situation was her stepfather. Now, her stepfather, Alex, did love her very much. And as she got a little bit older, they may have crossed some boundaries when it came to the relationship. And I feel like something more went on there. I do see Christina would tell her friends that Alex was inappropriate with her and that he molested her. I hate putting this out there because I feel like it's Something she does not want me to say, but I'm going to say it anyways because people need to hear this, especially Cindy, even though automatically because of the fact that I feel like she's dead, I feel like Cindy will automatically put her walls up anyway. I don't know. I do feel like there was something that took place between her and Alex when she became a teenager. I also feel like she did this and, you know, he wasn't really her real father and so I feel like she didn't necessarily look at it as like a molestation or raping. She says it was more just, I don't know, sexual flirtation. But she does want to clarify that her daughter had never and has never been sexually touched or assaulted, which is good. She just said that basically she was a very like sexually induced teenager and she used to do things to arouse her stepfather which makes sense because she's bipolar and one of the symptoms of bipolar is extreme sexual behaviors and inappropriate sexual behaviors and then christina doing the drugs and the drinking along with being unmedicated bipolar makes total sense okay now i don't feel like alex went fully out there to like molest her or hurt or anything but he didn't discard her advances exactly which it could have gone either way which is what i'm saying like with People who have bipolar, they're just very sexually driven to like an obsession. 
And if they don't get it, they'll find it somewhere, get it somehow. Good to know. Thank you. Now, Christina Whitaker's brother was and still is, in my opinion, extremely abusive. He also has a lot of mental health problems, which potentially could stem from, you know, something more. But he was beating on Christina pretty much their whole life. And instead of mom, you know, admitting that there was a bigger issue, she turned a blind eye to it because she didn't want anyone to think her children were awful human beings or that the kids were hating each other or whatever the case may be. Now, I feel as though he knew how to play his mom real well. He would play the poor me pity card, for instance, the suicide attempt. I feel like that's all bullshit. I don't feel like he tried to kill himself in any capacity. And I think Christina said that he was pretty pleased with himself most of the time, but his mother would make him apologize. And apparently that would be good enough. Of course, I definitely got that feeling from the brother too, and that he really just didn't give two shits. Maybe he felt guilty about it because she ended up disappearing later on. But in reality, he should be talking about this in order to save his sister at the time. I think he was just afraid of slipping up on certain things. I would agree. He avoids any sort of conversation because I know he knows things. <laughs> I feel like he is actually one of the people who initially got Christina involved with certain people that she had dealings with, including Darcy. I also feel like her brother had a lot of details about things that happened in the background. Sure, it could get him in trouble, but I think he needs to open up and have people help him. There are so many different ways to provide like anonymous tips. All right, now that we have all those little details about the family out of the way, let's talk about the night that she went missing. All righty. So from what Christina shows me, she was constantly being harassed by the police. Constantly. They wanted her to do drops of drugs to big corporations, big drug dealers, and they put her in some majorly dangerous situations. Now, this particular day, she had been informed that it was time for her to get back to work. I don't believe this is the first time she went out since she had her baby, but I honestly think she went out because she was told to go to work. I see that they were really breathing down her neck. There may have actually been all these details right on her cell phone, but I feel like it was deleted. Anyways, she was really pissed off this day because she wanted to party and she wasn't interested in doing any favors for the police. But every time they wanted her to do something, they would tell her, if you don't do this, we're going to book you. We don't want to book you with a baby. I feel like that it honestly is the initial reason that she was pissed off and angry to begin with. I also feel like her friends were aware of this because she talked about it a lot. Of course, now the police put her in dangerous situations so that they can keep themselves from being put in that dangerous situation. You got it. And because Christina did do a lot of drug-related things already, she had a lot of friends, including Darcy. And she could contact him right away and tell him that she had money for them or she had more drugs and she would get like them bigger quantities. I feel like she was a bit of a drug dealer herself, but I don't think she classified herself as that. I would say she was like, I don't know, the go-to person. She'd go into town and be like, hey, I'm going doing this. Do you want anything? And she'd bring all the drugs back for everybody. Now, this particular evening, the game plan was this, to let Darcy and Darcy's minions know that she had gotten her hands on some pretty good shit. And I know that she had pills in her purse, but I also feel like she had other drugs. So perhaps maybe cocaine. I do feel like she also had it close by. She was extremely nervous about planting these drugs on Darcy. 
and his friends. And I feel like she was basically going, okay, I want to get drunk because I'm kind of nervous. I also see that she did take a couple of pills as well. I feel like she was angry because these particular individuals were taking their time to get to her. Little did she know there was a reason behind it. And what was the reason? So one of her so-called friends were actually sleeping with Darcy or Darcy's so-called friend. I think it was a drug-related sex thing as a payment. And anyway, one thing led to another, and this friend of hers accidentally informed Darcy's guy that she was sleeping with that they were in the process of doing a bust. And she informed them that Christina was a CI, a.k.a. criminal informant, and she was planning to pin some drugs on them. Wow, so Darcy knew. Now he was getting prepared. I feel like he personally knew Christina and they knew each other from time to time, a little bit younger. They never dated. That's a straight symbol, friendship, drug dealing. She did not have any sort of drug debt with him either. So they had a plan. So what happened next? Now, from what I gather, Christina, like I said earlier, was growing impatient. She didn't want to wait anymore because she wanted to just get out of doing this and then let the cops know that Darcy and his gang were in possession of the drugs. I see she was making a phone call to him, telling him that she didn't have all day and to hurry the hell up. All right, so what happened next? I believe she was in the last bar at this point, and I feel like they finally arrived. I feel like they let her know that they were outside. Now, I do feel like Darcy was the one who got out of the vehicle, and then everybody else stayed in the car. I feel like she came outside and I do feel like she was told to walk in the alleyway because they were afraid of getting pinched by the cops. I do see that she walked into this alleyway and I feel like they hit her with the car and then put her inside the back of the car. Now, I feel like there were several witnesses that did see this happening, including Danny Baker, and one of them had gotten her phone, seen that it did fall. I also feel like they were warned that they would be next if they said anything. Now, Darcy had made some sort of statement about how she owed him and that she needed to pay for that. I feel like she was still alive but unconscious when she left alongside of Darcy and there could have been three other guys inside of this vehicle that was all like tinted out. Yeah, because he couldn't take her by himself. That's actually a pretty good point. Now, from what I can see, she was feisty and she could fight. She had fought a few of these people before. But from what she shows me, he was a little bit afraid of what she could do to him. So yeah, he definitely needed some backup, according to her. All right, so Danny Baker and her ex-boyfriend did not say anything about her disappearance. Is there anyone else that has seen her? Absolutely. I feel like there were many people that had seen her not only get hit by this vehicle, but get put in the vehicle, including the police officers that was staking across the street. I also feel like there were two police officers trailing them, but because they didn't want anything bad to happen to them, they left. Now, she shows me that they were undercover, which in this particular town and county, undercover meant that they were in their own clothing and their own vehicles, and they had seen what went down, and they decided right then and there they were not getting involved. Where did they take her? This is where things really freaking confuse me. She was shifted all sorts of locations, and I believe he did put her in the basement. I do believe that he 
ultimately killed her there as well and placed her in the freezer. Now I see the freezer was gross and old and dirty and they put her in there for the time being. She doesn't show me exactly the way she was murdered because she doesn't want people to hear that part. But from what I can see, there was a weapon used and I don't believe it to be a gun. As soon as she went missing, there was not a whole heck of a lot of movement. In fact, he was very paranoid that the police were going to knock on his door, but no one came. I even feel like he beat his wife because she was freaking out about it. And he told her that she would be next as well. He always threatens to kill everybody, apparently. I also feel like she knows a lot of these details and is scared for her life to this day, which is why she's never come forward. I also feel like she may even have a grandmother, maybe her mom, somebody else in the family knows details, but more so hearsay. I feel like many, many, many people in this particular area know something about this because everyone talks. Even downright to the people that have told Cindy and Alex they had seen her. I feel like they say these things to give her comfort, but in reality, they're just giving her false hope. I wonder if that freezer was like that refrigerator or whatever that was like all busted up in that area where that dog pinged and when they turned it around, there was nothing in there, but obviously the body was moved or something, but they got rid of the freezer there. Like they maybe moved it different places. You know, they threw the freezer there and put her somewhere else. That's actually a really good point. And I'm feeling those spidey senses. I think that's exactly what she was in. I didn't even realize that. Because I remember that part of the documentary and like I remember the dog was like going crazy at that thing and they were like taking such a long time to turn it over. And this was like after years of them finally being like, we need to excavate here. And they did, right? Jeez. It's just sick and twisted. So what did they do next? What did they do with her body? (sighs) Well, her body was buried at the property of Glenn Ledbetter's place. Now, I feel like Darcy had some sort of connection to Ledbetter, which I'm not sure about the details on how all that works. But what I'm able to see is that her body was definitely buried on this property. I also see that the people that are there now obviously want to be compensated a lot of money in order for them to get their property looked at. But I feel like they're going to eventually give into this. There will be a deal that they strike. I would say they will find even more bodies at this property. They should definitely not be there. I also feel like her body is there. Like I stated previously, I feel like she was in the freezer. They took her out, moved her somewhere else to this guy's property. So I definitely feel this as well. I think for me, the strange situation though about this entire case is that they ended up on the Steve Wilco show. And then they accused Travis, her boyfriend, of murdering her. And then, like, they're just sitting there, and then he just fails the lie detector test. Like, why did he fail the lie detector test? (laughs) He knows some things as well. Now, he may not know the details of where she is, but I do believe he knows a lot of details that he's refusing to give because he's afraid of getting in trouble, getting her in trouble somehow. The whole family is protecting these people, and they don't even realize that it's not the best thing to do it's not in their best interest but yeah all the stuff on the show was definitely scripted maybe to get her name out there a little bit more in the sense of what her mother wanted but other than that honestly a big waste of time absolutely janet bell the ex-wife of danny baker indicates that danny baker and joshua bowen were the ones that killed her at least that's what she was told 
I feel like she was lied to. I don't feel like she would have even spoken up unless she 100% knew. I think she only came forward to talk because Danny Baker had died at this point. But by the time she did the interview, obviously he was dead. But I think she just told her side of the story. But no, I think he just lied to her. Now, according to Janet Bell, Danny was pretty drunk at the time. So was Josh. They told them that if they didn't help him, he was going to kill him next. And that's very possible. He thinks that because he was mighty drunk, I even feel like he had gotten hit somewhere else or even gotten into an accident. He should not have been drinking at all, but I feel like he was drinking and driving. I don't even feel like he recollects most of what happened. He probably remembers bits and pieces, but I think he was assuming it was Josh that killed her. Now, Christina was in a mental hospital about a month and a half before she went missing because she wasn't feeling right. Is there any insight on that situation? I know Cindy and Alex like to paint this picture because she was happy and she had a very happy-go-lucky personality sometimes, but I think it was all part of the bipolar. Most of the time, she was just unhappy and the medication was really messing with her and she wanted to change a lot of the medication, but I also feel like her relationship with her brother was getting worse and worse by the day. Her relationship with her mom was also becoming a little too much for her. I feel like she would complain a lot about her family to her friends. I feel like her friends know a lot of details that they aren't talking about either, but they definitely did some pretty shady things themselves as well. There are so many people in denial about things and they just kind of pretend that the drug thing isn't there, which is kind of weird. They look at this like it was normal because everyone else around them did it. So just wanted to make sure to paint a bitter picture for their daughter. Anthony McPike not only made the statement that his cousin Darcy gave him a letter indicating that he killed her, but that he destroyed the letter as well. Do we have any details on this? I 100% believe Anthony. I feel like he received this letter and he had been scared shitless. He was always very scared of Darcy and Darcy was capable of doing just about anything. He stayed away from him when he was pretty young, but his cousin would just force himself into his life because they were related. But he definitely made the right decision by calling the police later on. Not that the police were going to do anything because obviously they were also involved in trying to hide everything. Not only would this blow their cover with Christina, but there were multiple people within the little community that have died. But most of the time they would have just positioned it to like that people killed themselves when in reality people got murdered a lot. It's crazy town, actually. But not everybody's like that. Anyways, even Lieutenant Grody, I feel like they were also in cahoots with people that were her officers. I feel like she was friends with a few of the officers involved with the CI side of things for Christina Whitaker. And uh, she also hid some things as well while she was lieutenant. So yeah, she definitely deserved to lose her job. Is there anything else that you want to discuss about this case? Christina Fontana, the one who did the filmmaking on this particular case, there's a lot of people out there that said she made it seem like this place was an evil place. Well, you know what? I agree with her to some aspects. There are a lot of things going on in this area that are going completely unnoticed and they need to become more noticed. I hope that one day we find this out. I honestly do. I feel like someday someone will anonymously donate an amount of money so that these people can get this property looked at. I don't necessarily feel like they'll get exactly what they're looking for, but a significant chunk. And there will have some sort of theme surrounding it as well. But I'd say that this case will get more and more details over the next five years. I hope it gets done sooner, but I feel like we'll finally be able to put this to rest to certain degrees. I don't know if they will ever charge Darcy, but I feel like Darcy's going to die in prison and I feel like he's definitely there for the rest of his life. I hope he stays there, honestly. (laughs) 
All right, well, thank you very much for covering this case. Next week, guys, we will be covering the Ketty Cabin Murders. This case is from the 80s, and we love those old school cases. We are so looking forward to covering this one, so please make sure to listen, as you're not going to want to miss all the details. Until next time, guys, stay freaked out. (laughs) 